Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uptena, and today we'll be working with the Akashics of Entrepreneurship, including how to move from the spiritual and inspirational into the practical, how to parent a business through the early years, and how to communicate with them for success. Manifesting is an intimate process. It doesn't matter if you're crafting something, making art, sculpting your body, filling out a dating profile, or starting a business. You are bringing something into being which wasn't before. And you're doing so in part by informing the Akasha which flows through you so it flows out into the world the way you intend. Most manifesting projects are discrete units. We get inspired from within ourselves or from circumstances. We decide to do something, choose what to do, work out how to do it or don't, then take the necessary actions. Once the object or objective is complete, it's out of our hands, usually literally. We bring the something out, and then it goes out into the world, and its experience of beingness from then on is separate from us. No matter what we're manifesting, the thing which we have created has its own beingness, for however long it exists. This is why people who have the ability to communicate with or read objects, a skill called psychometry, have something to read. The objects have both agency and memory, therefore are able to communicate their story and other relevant information. Unless we've brought this thing into being specifically for our use, the item will launch into the world and possibly never connect with us again, although it will remember us and have its origin from within us. Entrepreneurship is a more dynamic form of manifestation. For someone creating a practice or a business, what is being created is not only a something, but also an engine, which itself creates or provides something for others. We, as the creator, bring it into the world, but, once it exists, we work with it as an integral part of how the goods and services are provided into the world. In creating the engine, we build it with us as the initial fuel which keeps it in motion. While some entrepreneurs go through this process because it's in their nature to create businesses, most do so because creating a specific business is on their soul path or is a necessary step along the way. They're not only creating something, they are creating the life they want to lead, and in the process are creating the self they want to be. Hence, an entrepreneur is not only creating something new in the world, but something new which has the potential to grow into a partner, one which is more intimate than even their significant other. It is somewhat revelatory for people to think of businesses as beings. We're taught to think of them somewhat as constructs, as amalgams of message and product, of advertising and math. If we think of them anthropomorphically at all, It's in a negative light. We discuss how the rapacious big-box corporations kill small and local businesses, 
look on with consternation as corporations are given the rights of individuals, and try to define what creates corporate culture. Yet we instinctively react to businesses just like we do with people, getting a good or bad vibe from them, choosing one over the other for no reason we can discern other than we just like them, gossiping about what this one has or hasn't done, glowing when one picks us for something special or gives us something unexpectedly, feeling abused or violated when they don't behave appropriately, and so on. We come to think a business is a bit like a costume being worn or a puppet being manipulated, and we seek the person inside who is making it work. However, the people are only part of the equation. All businesses are beings in and of themselves, with their own personalities, preferences, opinions, and habits. They work in a more or less interdependent relationship with people in order to manifest themselves and their products and services into the world. Entrepreneurs bring new businesses into the world. Their business may be the same as hundreds of others, like an acupuncture clinic, a law firm, a yarn shop, or archery range. But theirs will be unique unto itself, with its own setting, clientele, and so on. This tends to make the manifestation richer, more complex, and more exhausting, let's face it, than manifesting discrete unit projects. It requires the individual use not only business and customer service skills, learn marketing and networking, but employ relationship and parenting skills on a daily and sometimes even minutely basis. Because the process is complex, and because it is to varying degrees intimately connected with us and with our path, there are places all along the way where things can get stuck, hung up, sabotaged, or derailed. There is no one approach which will resolve all of them. One size most definitely does not fit all. However, there are some keys which can help smooth the way and keep us from getting gummed up in the works. Key 1. Moving the spiritual into practical. Before digging into all the mechanics of starting a business, it's helpful to check in with your soul book and your guides to see if what you're considering is actually what is being asked for or what would work best for the situation. It's not unusual for people to choose starting their own business not because they're called to the work or because a business wants to be made, but because they're trying to escape from or avoid something. Doing an honest check-in with your spiritual team can give you the necessary clarity to move forward with confidence or avoid unnecessary efforts. I find working in my Akashic room and inviting my guides or the team I'm working with helps to provide this type of clarity and invites dialogue in situations of this kind. Co-participation is also great. While it can seem as if we are the sole party involved in creating a business from scratch, especially late at night when we're sweating all the details at the end of a 16-hour day, we're not. We're co-creating with the embodied universe, with our guides, with the bigger picture of our path and the business attempting to be born. This means we need to pay attention, ask questions, check in often, and not get overly focused on the shoulds 
our minds conjure for us. Shoulds are great for keeping us honest, but destructive when enforced too strictly. And there's responsibility. Like in sports, follow-through is key. You don't just swing the bat at the ball and then drop it when the ball hits. This could actually cause the ball to veer in the wrong direction, but it will definitely mess with your shoulder, elbow, and wrist as you absorb the shock of stopping after putting all this energy into movement. If we're willing to invest our time and effort to create something, we should invest our reputations and energies into marketing it. If we want our business to be successful, we need to support it in being so. Many businesses fail because we build it, then don't offer a means for people to find it. Don't advertise where the people who need it can see. Don't make ourselves available in the necessary ways to encourage growth and energy exchange. We need to be able to accept our successes fully, not dismiss them in order to keep our ego in check. And we need to accept our failures as a means of learning and growing rather than a punishment for something real or imagined. We need to treat ourselves and the business like we treat others. Key two is parenting. A business, like every other being, needs time to mature. For a small business created by an entrepreneur, this takes approximately five years. It's easiest to chunk this out in terms of human maturation. The first two years of a business is a lot like having a newborn. You don't get much regular sleep. You're working around the clock whether you like it or not. You need to do everything for it. Its needs are enormous. And as much as you're excited by everything and it's an adventure and all new, it's a ton of hard work, which sometimes feels like it's not worth it and you would rather go back to your regular life. If your business survives to be three, then you've entered the teens. Things are usually good but awkward. The business can't decide if it's going to stand on its own or not. Sometimes it works great. Other times it needs you to step back in and do all the work, and there seems to be no rhyme or reason for any of this. Also, there will be new projects, which seem like they'll be great, and then flop spectacularly. Others, which seem like little side things, but instead grow into staple money makers, And lots of boundaries to be drawn, explored, and solidified. However, step by step, the business starts to come into its own. At five years, the business is usually fully grown. This doesn't mean it's not still on track to become something bigger or more, but it's fully functional as a business. Making a return doesn't need to be micromanaged, and you can start to make plans because things have settled into positive and reliable patterns. The challenge in all this, besides everything, is to recognize how you interact with the business needs to shift at each of these stages, just like a parent's relationship changes with their child as they grow up. All along the way, the business needs to know what you expect of it, be encouraged to grow into its full self, take increasing responsibility for meeting expectations, and recognize the end goal is it will be fully self-supporting by the time it's grown. 
too many entrepreneurs are still driving themselves like they're in a startup situation when their businesses are 10, 15, even 20 years old. This is unnecessarily exhausting and even damaging, both to them and the business. The idea is, after you've manifested and cared for the business, it will manifest the life you desire to have and take care of you. So act accordingly. Don't micromanage or become codependent. Key three is communication. In any relationship, clear communication is a foundational piece. As entrepreneurs are in an intimate relationship with their business, it would seem communicating with it would be priority number one. But this is something most of us never consider. We know all the relevant numbers, deadlines, goals, and hurdles necessary for us to get from where we are today to where we want to be, but for the most part, we only talk about them with ourselves or our nearest and dearest ones. Our business therefore remains blissfully ignorant of what it needs to be doing and just assumes what it's doing is correct based on how we're interacting with it. This leads to stagnation, frustration, and even a slow ending to the business because we don't signal anything is wrong. We feel the desperation, but don't show it in our actions. In fact, we can sometimes act with such determination, the business thinks it's doing great because you've been roused to such passion for what the two of you are doing. Communicating with a business is as simple as meditation or prayer. Any business whether online or in a physical location, has a hub or focal point, a place where it is most present for you. This is the place to talk with it. What usually works best is to set aside time when you can be clear and undisturbed. Then, just like having a conversation with your significant other or a business partner, you have a two-way conversation about everything. Talk about your expectations, short, medium, and long-term, Talk about the money. You know what you need this month, this year, and in the next couple of years. It would be great for the business to know it too. Talk about the things beyond the numbers which you want the business to achieve and where you think things could go or where they could expand. Once you've laid out everything you know, it's time to listen. Businesses can and do respond just not often in linear language. You may get a feeling of comfort and wellness. You might get an urge to do something, look up something, figure something out. This is not you being avoidant. It's the business adding their two cents. Don't judge. Just go with it. You might check your email to find you've just gotten an amazing connection or opportunity. Be open to whatever comes. You might even get visual images or a download of information. These types of conversations aren't something to have once and then be done, but instead should be a regular part of the process from the very beginning. Weekly, every two weeks, once a month, all work depending on you and your business. Once your business is going, you can connect with it in the Akashics as well. There will be an Akashic book for it, separate from you. 
any librarian can help you access it as long as the business is willing. You can also use your Akashic Room to have meetings with the business or see how the business is doing. One thing which can be interesting is to use your own table as a place for the business to show you its opportunity map. You can then see what opportunities are viable, what potentials they have, and where they might lead. With all of that said, it's important to keep in mind manifesting anything into the world never goes like we think it will. And as we're co-creating with the embodied world, we aren't in full control of the process. So any chance you get, any time the thought crosses your mind, remember to be kind to yourself. There's no point in manifesting a business if you don't survive the process. And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be discussing how our life force is both energy and information. Therefore, issues which seem purely physical are directly connected to aspects of our personal lives, careers, relationships, and whatever else we might be manifesting. We have the universe inside us, and the wisdom of all that is not only at, but in our fingertips. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a minute to show it some love on iTunes. Your comments are also appreciated. Thanks. Bye.